Hello and welcome to the Data Protection Tea Break. I'm Kirsty Bugall and in this episode I'll be finding out more about how data breaches are reported in the Bailiwick. With the help of the Bailiwick's Deputy Commissioner, I'll be looking behind the numbers to get to the heart of why understanding breaches matters and what they might mean to the people at the heart of them. Breach reporting is just one strand of our regulatory duties, but it's one of our most well-known roles as every two months we release the number of breaches reported to us, and these are then usually reported in the local media. As you may have seen, these breaches are divided into a number of categories, but from January the 1st, 2022, we've changed how these can be reported to us to include a bit more detail about how the breach occurred and what was involved. Joining me today is Rachel Masterton, Deputy Commissioner for the Bailiwick of Guernsey, who is going to explain how the categories are split up and also a bit more about the change and why it's important. Rachel, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Kirsty. So first of all, could you just explain a bit more about what constitutes a personal data breach? So for anyone listening who might be new to the data protection environment. Okay, so a personal data breach uh, is when the security of somebody's personal data has been compromised. So when something's happened at the organisation that's that's using that data, that's caused um, the data to no longer be secure, to have been given to somebody it shouldn't have been, for access to have been granted to someone or or an entity that shouldn't have the access to that data and the definition actually breaks down into um, six key points six key outcomes is that access has been granted to data that shouldn't have been the data may have been altered in a way that it shouldn't have and something could have been destroyed that shouldn't have been so um or, or something's been disclosed to someone that shouldn't have it, um, the data has been lost, um, or the data has been made unavailable. So the people that need to get access to it to do something with it are unable to, and so therefore a service might suffer as a result. So is this part that's changed, or have those classifications always existed? That's existed since the uh, commencement of the new law back on the 25th of May 2018. That's but the, Those six um, elements have been part of the definition of a personal data breach. But we have recently, as, as you said at the start of uh, this year, um, altered the way our breach reporting uh, software works so that we can ascertain which of those things has happened in any one circumstance um, and then the reasons for that happening, so, so what it was that caused that to, to, to be the case. So obviously now we're giving a bit more detail to the public in terms of what has actually happened. Yes, that's it. So we can understand a bit more about what's going on out there, what's happening to the data, and then um, what it is uh, that that uh, is the end result of that. So, uh, for example, when you're looking at um, something like access to data, um, sometimes it may be that... Um, the, the user rights in the system have been set up incorrectly, so someone that shouldn't have had access has been granted access. Alternatively, it might be that someone from outside has, has hacked the system to get in to get um, access to the data, so not necessarily something the organisation itself has actively done, um, but the, for one reason or another, the system has not been secure enough to prevent that person from getting into the system. Um, and so that way we can see how access to data is split amongst all those categories, and we can build that into what we do um, with our communications, with our guidance, um, to help organisations to protect data which obviously is really useful because if they understand what's going wrong and what's happening or if other people can see what's happened to other people then it can help them to put the right procedures in place for them. Yes it is yes because um, 
with it being a principles-based piece of legislation and it's really not being prescriptive about exactly how you have to do every single thing. It's for organisations to work out what that means for them um, based on what they do with data, how people have access to it, where they need to share it. Um, and what works for one company may not be appropriate for another company because of the uh, nature of the operations or the um, nature of the data, the, the sensitivity. Um but if people can see, if organisations and individuals can see the risks that exist um, and the reasons that breaches occur, then they know where to sort of target their, their time and effort. It's better to look at what happens a lot than to spend lots of time and effort looking at something that, that doesn't happen very often. So obviously that explains a bit about why it's important for perhaps the regulated community to understand why we release this information. And why do you think it's also important that the general public gets to understand a bit more and we release this information to them? I think it's important that um, individuals are aware of what happens in organisations, that um, that they understand what can happen with their data, um, that they are in a position to um, understand what it means if an organisation tells them something's happened to their data and that they can ask the right questions uh, where they've got concerns and can I identify where there might be risks um, that they want to to actively look at because it might mean if one organisation is particularly lax in one area someone might wish to change to an organisation that's handling data better and if they understand the risks to them and and how these things can happen then they've got choice to do that. That's really important isn't it that people understand that they do have choice about their personal data and that they have agency in terms of how it's looked after as well. Yes uh, and to to some extent um, yes individuals can can make decisions, can vote with their feet about service providers or, or entities they want to deal with. And sometimes, of course, individuals aren't able to make that decision because they they have to provide data to, to organisations, you know, particularly public authorities. Um, but for them to recognise what the risks might be um, and for them to be in a position to ask probing questions um, that where they have no choice over what's happening with their data, that they can at least test how, how secure it is and can reassure themselves. So what else has changed in how we ask for organisations or people to report the breaches to us? Because you've run through the different categories that they can now choose from. Is that the main difference or what else has changed? Uh, that's the main difference, but it enables us to now split out the reasons things uh, breaches happened um, and the um, outcome of the breach. And before, um, sometimes there was a bit of muddling around that. So some of the categories um, meant the same thing, or, or depending on how you interpreted it, you could have picked one of, of two or three, um, and that makes it much more difficult to to sort of gauge exactly what's going on out there. So now we've, we've, as I say, we've split the reasons for the breaches occurring away from the outcome of the breach. So we get a better picture of, of what's going on and, and what happens as a result. Because at the end of the day, where there's any compromise of data, there could be an impact on the individual whose data that is. Um, and uh, that's important to understand that, to be able to, to help organisations get better. And actually, in terms of what we're releasing to the public and the media, that's we have gone into a bit more detail this time in terms of what the impact has been on people, haven't we? Yes, indeed. Um, I think sometimes just when it's figures um, in sort of potentially random 
categories it looks a bit uh, difficult to get to grips with. Uh, so we have included some examples of, of the sorts of breaches we've had over the last couple of months. So examples include um, a client's financial status being sent to another client and that occurred within the legal sector um, and in, in the health sector there was a, a named patient's medical history and some clinical data that was uh, supposed to have been sent to them and was sent to somebody else. And being able to articulate that to show the sorts of things that are happening takes it away from um, potentially just being faceless bits of paper and numbers and um, helps people realise there is someone at the heart of this. Uh, as we've said in the past, data protection is people protection. So let's start thinking about the people a bit in this process. Um, and hopefully then organisations who may have in the past not realised the importance of the breach reporting will be able to understand why they need to be letting us know um, what's going on and, and the impact that can have. It very much does put um, a person, doesn't it, to the data? Because once you think about the fact that somebody's passport details, their photo IDs, their bank details, their signature, all of that information was sent to the wrong person. Um, that's quite a biggie, isn't it? If we think about that, if that's our data, we have to put ourselves, don't we, in that position to... That's it. it. Um, and previously, that would have uh, simply turned up on the on the stats as being uh, data disclosed by email. Um, and so, yeah, is that really? It's just data disclosed by email. And we we've all done it. We've all sent an email, and we've all had that moment where we've sent an email and then gone to sent items to check we have sent it to the right place. Um, but um, explaining exactly what that um, could involve does. Uh, create a little bit more empathy and a bit more understanding um, about the nature and then and then what can happen as a result of that. Mm. And in particular we also highlight medical data and clinical information being sent to the wrong patient. I mean I've actually been on the, re- the receiving end of somebody else's information mm-hmm. and um, it, you feel terrible but you know and obviously for the person whose information has been sent out that must be really devastating particularly depending on the content oh yes um if if um, you think about guernsey being so small um the chances of it being somebody that knows that person are increased compared to somewhere like the uk um and if you think about data being lost for example so you think oh data's lost what's going to happen to that but it might be that a medical referral doesn't go through because it was never received at the other end and and that sort of thing and then somebody's treatment might suffer as a result of that so it's getting a little bit more to to the heart of what's going on and the impact this can have both on people people's comfort with the organization but actually you know real long-lasting things like identity theft or or inability to be treated Mm. and obviously um this information on breaches that we give out, it's important, but it isn't everything that we do. So we do have other regulatory duties and maybe the public are a bit less aware of those. Do you want to just maybe run through just a couple of them and why they matter? Well, a big part of what we do is uh, looking at complaints that individuals bring to us. So where they are aware or where they feel that organisations have not been handling data correctly, um, then they can make a complaint to us. And some of those will could tie into the breaches that we're talking about here, for example, where an individual wants to make a complaint about that. But in um, other circumstances, it may be um, that it wasn't a data breach itself um, that caused it, but that um, 
the individuals realise their data's been used in a way they weren't expecting and so they, they want um, questions asked and they want you know an assessment as to whether or not the processing has been done correctly. We've also got obligations under the law to raise awareness both for the public and for organisations and particularly in relation to children. So that's why we do a lot of what we do. So things like this press release is making sure people remember um, requirements for breach reporting and puts data protection on the radar. But we've also... Um, as we've discussed in a previous podcast, launched an initiative with uh, the Youth Commission this year um, to reach more children, to make sure children are aware of of what's happening with their data um, and what they should expect when they're dealing with organisations and to teach them in a way that they can then bring that into the workplace when they get there um, to be good data citizens. And that fits in with the the curriculum that they're working with within schools. So it, it all sits quite nicely. Absolutely. Preventing harm in the first place is obviously the best thing if we can help to achieve that. You know, then we almost wouldn't be needed in terms of breaches. Um, yes. And, and when you think the regulated community here is so many, we're, we're very much a horizontal regulator. We regulate sort of 20,000 or, or plus entities. We can't get in and assess exactly what they're doing at all times. And um, so we have to uh, make use of, of education and awareness to, to put it on people's radar uh, for organisations and for individuals and to get people themselves uh, to understand what's happening with their data and then perhaps to question their own workplaces about the per- practices that they have in place in there. Um, and just quickly then, so if we just go back to the breaches, so what about people maybe who are now unsure what to do with regards to reporting a breach with the new um, categories and things that we have in place? Do you have any advice for people who are maybe you know, need to report a breach and now a little bit confused? Um, by all means, give us a call. We can have a chat, uh, t- take them through the process, uh, help them understand both the what's happened, you know, the, the um, reason the breach occurred and the outcome so that they can fill the, that in. Um, and to provide them with um, guidance as to what to do next. Because breach reporting isn't the end of it. Something's gone wrong in the organisation. They've reported it to us, that's great, but they need to be thinking about what to do to put that right, both in the immediate circumstances, so to lessen the impact um, of any risks to individuals, but also to try and prevent it happening again. And We've talked previously about uh, human error being a big cause of this, um, uh, uh, and data breaches often not being something that's done deliberately, but just we all lead busy lives in our workplaces and sometimes our attention's drawn elsewhere and, and something happens as a result. Um, and we can talk through maybe things that um, organisations can do to to deal with that and to you know make sure that um, staff have the time to do um, important operations in the right way rather than, uh, than, than rushing and perhaps making that mistake that then goes on to have such a big impact on other people. Yeah, we're here to help, aren't we? And um, just to remind anyone listening, obviously we have our drop-ins as well as all the information online and like you say we are just at the end of a phone yes we're more than happy to have a chat about whatever's going on whether that be uh, as a result of a breach or perhaps in anticipation of uh, you know dealing with something before it begins um, then we're more than happy to have a, a conversation Rachel that's fantastic thank you very much for your time today and for outlining our new system in terms of breach reporting and obviously for the background with regards to the law as well So don't forget to get in touch if you do have any queries or want some help and advice. And you can always listen back to earlier podcasts on your usual podcast provider. You'll find a lot of different information and advice and also just general interest pieces about data protection laws, including the origins and why we have them in the first place. 
and you can email us on communications at odpa.gg. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.